0: Point Tree City family, along with those of you who may be joining in with us this morning. Thanks for bringing the church into this video stream. If we haven't met, my name's Jamie. I'm one of the pastors of our church, the guy who gets the privilege most weeks of unpacking the scriptures as we come together. Speaking of, if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and open up to Galatians chapter 5. We'll be in verses 13 through 23 this morning. If you don't have a Bible, if you don't own a Bible, uh, I would encourage you to go to our church's website, go to the leadership page, find someone on staff, their email address, shoot us an email, let us know that you don't possess a Bible and we will happily get a Bible shipped to you quickly, as quickly as we can so that you can have access to a copy of the scriptures, whether it be for times like these or any other time throughout the week that you want to learn more about who this God is and what he has done, is doing, and will do for you in Jesus Christ. Let me go ahead and pray for us, and we'll jump in and get after it this morning. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning asking you to do a great work in our hearts by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, the spirit of grace, unity, Christian love. Spirit of God, we invite you to move in power that our true enemies in this war for the soul might be defeated. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you've never read or perhaps are unfamiliar with the premise of the Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis, it's essentially a religious satire in which a demon by the name of Screwtape writes letters to his nephew, Wormwood, who's new to the game instructing him on how to lead people astray, how to mobilize people on a path to destruction. If you've been tracking with our weekly communication via email, this won't be the first time that you will have heard me say this. A little over a month ago, I had this strange thought cross my mind, which in hindsight I'm becoming increasingly convinced was of the Lord. And the the thought was this if if I were going to write a COVID-19 screw tape letter, a letter meant to mobilize people on a path to destruction, what I think I would do is I think I would write a letter with the aim of deploying my demon protege to create as much divisiveness among Christians as possible on the re-entry side of this pandemic. In those earliest days of mid to late March, there was a fair amount of solidarity a collective we're all in this together sort of song on our lips. And and the talk of Christendom, if you recall, was that this pandemic just might bring about a revival, the likes of which none of us could have ever dared dream. As people were tuning into church services online who, who never would have otherwise, people were coming to know Jesus by the hundreds, the thousands even, the gospel extending its reach, though the church had been scattered essentially overnight. And though I can't prove it, it would not for a second surprise me if the tenured demons of hell were telling those under their command at that time to just wait, just give it a few weeks. Our moment hasn't yet come, but it will It'll come when people start to talk about reentering society as people begin to navigate acceptable social norms. We We have a great opportunity awaiting us to pit husband against wife, to pit friend against friend and family member against family member, to pit those who profess to love the enemy, the one they call savior and king against one another to pit Christians against pastors and pastors against pastors. Just wait. A few weeks from now, you'll be deployed to whisper into the ears of the confident that the cautious people are forever and always soft, to whisper into the ears of the cautious that the confident people are forever and always reckless, to fan into flame human pride while at the same time putting out the flame of human empathy, And not only will it be to the detriment and destruction of valuable relationships, but also to the detriment and destruction of the church. After all, our great enemy once said, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Our moment hasn't yet come, but it will. All the who's down in Whoville are singing right now about the great revival to come. In a few short weeks, we will destroy their song those few short weeks have come and gone. As many of us now find ourselves in the midst of relational challenges, the likes of of, uh, which perhaps only a pandemic could bring. This morning's time in the scriptures is is simply this, a a purposeful attempt to fight back and not just against the schemes of the devil, but against the works of the flesh. After all, we, we may not really need the devil's help knowing what we know about the sinful nature the mind, the emotions, and the will out of step with the Spirit of God. Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. If you're a Christian, the first thing to say this morning is very simply this, the Spirit of God indwells you. This is not new information. The third person of the Godhead indwells you. Let that drive your thought for the remainder of our time this morning. You're not alone. The Holy Spirit has set up permanent residency within you critical that we we get our minds around the power that's available to us through the Spirit because whether we realize it or not, we're in the midst of a war, a war between the Spirit and the flesh, Paul says, in full-on opposition to each other, with a squad of demons, you might say, cheerleading the flesh to consume and be consumed. Paul goes on in verse 18 to say, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Think about the irony for a second. That there are those who are hoping in their own righteousness as it pertains to meriting the love and acceptance of God, they are under the law. And yet, as the following verses will make plain, the flesh cannot produce the righteousness necessary to please God. Which means that there are those who are hoping in a law that they cannot fulfill on the road to eternal judgment. In contrast, There are those who understand that the law condemns them, revealing their need for a savior. And we call them Christians. Those who put their trust in the perfect substitute law-keeping Jesus Christ who lived the life of sinless obedience that none of us could live. Those who put their trust in the atoning substitute sin-bearing Jesus Christ who died the death that we deserve to die. That we might no longer be under the law, but under grace. The irony being that the spirit actually produces obedience to that very law that we don't trust in for our justification. Led by the spirit of the triune God, Paul says, which is not to say that it comes easily. Again, we're talking about a war, a war that Paul goes on to expose in revealing the evidences of these opposing forces for what they are. Look at verse 19. Paul says, now the works of the flesh are evident Going back a few weeks ago to the sermon on lament, Psalm 13, we we could spend significant time with just the various distortions of good things represented by this list. Good things made God things, good things made ultimate things, functional saviors that we turn to to deliver us from grief and loss, broken cisterns, as I've said before, empty wells, so very easy to turn to things other than God, whether it be to, to numb or to to cope, or to escape. But what I wanna draw our attention to this morning, it's the sheer number of inclusions in this list having to do with the pitting of people against each other, giving all the more credence to the possibility that that, that COVID-19 screw tape letter, it just might belong in the nonfiction section. Enmity, Paul says, strife, bits of anger, rivalries, dissensions and divisions, all evidences of the flesh at work, out of step with the Spirit of God. A truly enslaving way to live, sadly embraced by many of us in the midst of this strange reality in which we find ourselves. And I dare not exclude myself from that. Perhaps not in a conspicuous face-to-face sort of way. After all, most of us have learned the the American South etiquette of being polite to a person's face, more likely behind closed doors in conversations with our trusted inner circle, oftentimes with those with whom we feel the most comfortable letting our works of the flesh come out to play. Unless, of course, our trusted inner circle is where the ugly is coming out to play in its worst forms, with a roommate, with our very own spouse, which can create a a unique sort of isolation in the midst of an already isolated experience. Notice that Paul says at the beginning of verse 19 that the works of the flesh are evident, which means that we're oftentimes the last to see them for ourselves after having tipped our hand to everyone around us. It's kind of terrifying, right? To, To not only know that you don't know what you don't know, but that others may know what you don't know before you see it for yourself. Paul goes on to say in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Notice the contrast, the vast difference between the works of the flesh on the one hand and the fruit of the spirit on the other. The beauty of God's communicable attributes, you could say. Jesus famously said in John 15, five, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit that the more we abide in Christ, the more Christ-like we become so that peace conquers enmity in this war for the soul, so that love conquers strife, so that self-control conquers fits of anger, so that patience, kindness, and gentleness conquer rivalries, dissensions, and divisions. I mean, there's really not much to say here. These verses essentially preach themselves, do they not? This contrasting list of virtues pitted against the previous list of vices that revealed the truth of where we, where we actually functionally stand in this war, whether we're walking in lockstep with the Spirit or, or not, whether we're warring against the demons of hell or giving them an unnecessary advantage. And notice what's at stake. Looking back to Paul's words in verses 13 through 15, he says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law, he says, is fulfilled in one word You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. That What Paul says here is that the relational outworking of our walking in lockstep with the spirit versus the flesh is the difference between neighbor love and neighbor devouring. We, We can't help but expose our hearts in the midst of this strange historical moment in which we all find ourselves. The devouring of others is a check engine light, a clear indicator that we're out of step with the spirit on the one hand, The love of others and the serving of others a clear indicator that we're walking by the Spirit. Alistair Groves, the executive director of the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation, wrote a recent article entitled Preparing Our Hearts Today for Post-Pandemic Fellowship. And in that article, he says this. He says, it's your heart that matters most in an interaction, not the medium. In other words, the greatest problem is not out there. The greatest problem is in here for each and every one of us, which is being challenged significantly right now. As so many of us, myself included, declare the certainty of our rightness along with the certainty of everyone else's wrongness in the midst of something that none of us have ever lived through before. If ever, humility should shine. I don't know about you, but I'm having to remind myself more than ever that I'm far more sinful than I ever imagined, that the rabbit hole truly does run far deeper than I know. And on the other hand, I'm far more loved and accepted than I ever dared dream the blood soaked cross of Jesus Christ telling me so. The, The devil would love nothing more than to destroy our song by fanning into flame the, the enslaving vices of the flesh that pit us against one another in these weeks and months to come. Which would be so incredibly unfortunate and out of step with where this story is actually headed. We talked about that a couple weeks ago as we looked at those last chapters of the Bible. Jonathan Edwards once wrote in Speaking of Heaven, It says, every soul there is as a note in some concert of delightful music that sweetly harmonizes with every other note and all together blend in the most rapturous strains in praising God and the Lamb forever. That's where this is all headed, relationally speaking. You and I get to practice for that beautiful relational symphony now, right now as we die to the flesh and live by the Spirit, aligning our steps with the Spirit's leading from the moment we rise to the dawn of a new day, each and every day. C.S. Lewis once wrote, the real problem of the Christian life comes where people do not usually look for it. It comes the very moment you wake up each morning. All your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. And the first job each morning consists simply in shoving them all back, in listening to that other voice, taking that other point of view, letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in and so on all day, he says. Two things that I've attempted to keep in front of me as we've entered into the relational challenges associated with navigating different COVID-19 convictions, for lack of better terminology. The the first would simply be those verses of scripture that most simply and beautifully communicate the essence of the gospel in a way way that I need to hear it so that the gospel might be ever informing my own decision-making in the midst of this pandemic and so that I might interact with others with the gospel full in my own heart, overflowing as I engage other people I mean, just a couple of examples that have been helpful to me Very famous verses, you know them already. John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this than someone lay down his life for his friends. Or Mark 10, 45, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I'm talking about verses of scripture that are incredibly easy to memorize that remind me as often as I need to be reminded throughout the day of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That good news which establishes my identity and your identity, along with everything that we stand for, everything we live for, the lens through which we look at everything in life. That's the first thing I'm fighting hard to keep in front of me, the gospel in easily accessible form. The preaching of the gospel to myself would be another way that we've said it for years. The second thing is this powerful contrast in Galatians chapter five, the works of the flesh the fruit of the Spirit, all of the virtues, and particularly and especially those vices that might lead me to devour my neighbor. Coming back to that C.S. Lewis quote, I don't know about you, but my propensity is to grab my phone right off the nightstand the moment I wake up in the morning. And so I've actually made John 15, 13 my screensaver so that I'm confronted with the gospel before I'm confronted with anything else. Knowing that that anything else could steer me down a really sinister path before I ever even roll out of bed for the day. Whether it's the the gospel in easily accessible form or passages like Galatians 5 or Colossians 3 or Ephesians 4 or the Sermon on the Mount, I invite you to arm yourself well for this battle against the devil and the flesh. Coming back to verses 13 through 15 of this morning's passage, we've been called to something far better than enslavement. For you were called to freedom, brothers, sisters. If you're not a Christian, I invite you to put your trust in Jesus this morning who came to set the captives free free from the hopeless endeavor of self-justification, free from guilt and rejection, free from shame and defilement, free from wrath and condemnation, free from sin's dominion, free from Satan's grip, free from death's sting, free to confidently draw near to God's throne of grace, free to know the transforming power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, free to... Bend our knee in glad submission to the praise of our King's glorious grace. The enemy would seek to destroy our song in the weeks and months to come, that we might wind up just as socially distant on the other side of this, but no longer because of a virus. To which I would say, may it not be so. People will know that we are Jesus's disciples by the love that we have for one another, John 13, 35. I invite you to to join me in praying for the kind of gospel-formed unity that just might cause the demons of hell to shudder. I invite you to join me in being an answer to that very prayer by walking in humble faith and repentance. As I've said in some of my more recent emails, the devil hates unity, forgiveness, and Christian love. May we cause him to seethe. In a moment, we're going to continue to worship in a couple of ways. One, through the singing of God's word, the singing of the gospel, the singing of truth that flows from passages like Galatians 5. We get to do that strangely from wherever we may find ourselves in this scattered state that we're in right now. But it's no less meaningful, it's no less powerful, whether you sing from where you are or let these words wash over you. I just invite you to soak in the truth and beauty of the gospel, the beauty of, of what God does in reconciling sinners to himself and filling them with the Holy Spirit so that we might walk in step with the living God, for his glory, for our joy, for the good of those around us. We're not gonna take communion as we continue in this scattered sort of way to come together. We will do that someday. But for now, um, I, I do invite you to remember the broken body and shed blood of Jesus as you would before you were to come and receive of the bread and the cup. Were you present with us in this very space to pause and celebrate who Jesus is and what he's done for you. It's because of his love for us, the great love that he had for us first that we can possibly hope to extend love to those around us, that he might be glorified.